You're listening to the Zinger Nation Power Hour, where we give you the rundown on the hottest trades and stock ideas. For the best experience and most up-to-date information, tune in live on the Benzinga YouTube channel, weekdays at noon. Thanks, and enjoy the show. What's up, Discipline Investor? We have Benzinga CEO Jason Rasnick here with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Nash. Peter Schiff on the Power Hour with us live today. Interesting, different, unique, innovative companies. Mia, you are live with us on the Power Hour. What's up? Thank you so much for inviting me on. Jessica Billingley, that is the CEO of Aperna. The best trade idea resource out there. It's a cold start. It's a cold start. I'm, I'm a dramatic guy. Just go. What Luke doesn't know is that we can hear him. <laughs> what? What? Come on. April Fool. Yeah, I was trying to build some drama, producer AB, okay? All right, look at this. The hat is back, baby. Dow 100. Dow, the hat is back. It's on. Let's go. We are ripping and roaring. All-time highs in the S&Ps. Let's get it, baby. Uh, if you guys recall the line that Ripster was watching, Ripster47, again, let me get my screen on here in a second. But Ripster47, great follow on Twitter. Uh, the, the line that he was watching was, uh, uh, there it is. Boom. All right, the line he was watching, uh, 398 on SPY. That was his number. He, say, he says, if we get April above 398, we are looking good. Here are the minute candles. We are at 399, 400 in sight. Will we get there today? I don't know. The trend looks pretty damn good. Looks pretty damn strong. But what's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. Last day of the week. Shortened trading week. But let's rock it and roll it. Let, let's rip and roar. Um, but 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 again, Dow Hundred Thou Hat. It, it's 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 out out with the the special. And, and producer AB popped on for a second. I think he didn't think I was going to show up or something. What, what's up, Aaron? You know, just hanging out, watching watching my positions today. How about you? S- same thing, man. All right. Should, should we just dive straight into it? I'm down. Let's do it. All right. So, so everybody, we, we, we have some time today, okay? Uh, again, I, I still don't have my J-Raz. Maybe he'll make a guest appearance. I don't know. Uh, but but I was just uh, on Twitter shooting out some DMs, looking for, for some folks to, to bring on with us. But uh, if you guys have stocks to talk about, drop them in the chat. Uh, we, we, we will get them uh, queued up. We'll, we'll have some time today on my radar. Uh, let's continue the Palantir talk, right? We, we've been tracking Palantir. Big day yesterday. Uh, we, we do have the option position in it, so, so, so we'll do that one. Uh, Leslie's, the chart looks beautiful, so I want to talk about that. Um, Trimble, that's a trade that I got into on Tuesday. With, with Mr. Drew, we, we got into that Trimble trade, uh, TRMB. So, so, so we'll take a look at that. May, maybe take some action on that trade. Well, we were on the show, uh, and a couple guests that we have coming on with us today. Uh, we're, we're gonna have a, a crypto VC fund, right? So, so a VC that, that's investing in crypto companies. Super interesting right now as we head into that Coinbase IPO, and also cough, cough, cough. Voyager all-time high. Let's go rip it and roar it, baby, on the Voyager digital. Uh, you know, that, that that's one that, that helps the portfolio, right? Again, I've never had an unrealized percent like this. That's not normal. That's very abnormal. But 
Uh, so, so, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some, some of this crypto VC investing. Um, at one o'clock, Moses from Ruby Capital is going to be coming out with us. Talk, talk macro, talk markets, talk. Hey, SPY is up to this 400 mark. What, what's going to be happening in the future? And of course, guys, chat challenge. We, we got to go through our chat challenges for every week. We're asking Zinger Nation. That's all of you out there in the chat. What is We said, what is the best small cap stock of the week going to be the best performer? Because even though our SPY is at all-time highs. Uh, Wait, our- holy cow. Someone in the comments yeah. is talking about playboy all-time high so i just looked it up it's up 23 percent today what what happened did, did people like just now discover playboy or something it's up 23 percent today nfts dude I oh bet. let's no, go you got an upgrade okay so 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 okay this is a great article 16 stocks being perceived as nft plays that may or may not have anything to do with nfts Playboy is one of those stocks, right? It sort of makes sense, the, the story for, for Playboy and NFTs. Um, and then check this out. My trusty Benzinga Pro, pro.benzinga.com, two-week free trial. Um, you know, no, no reason not to do it. Um, let me check this out. Canaccord, Genuity, uh, initiating coverage, buy rating, $28 price target. Um, so so that's, that's what's giving you the lift today. I bet that that is the first analyst who's out on the stock. Let, let's take a look here. Uh, we go to analyst ratings. No, it's not. You you also have Roth Capitals has covered it before. Oh, um, George Kelly. George Kelly's on there twice. He must. He really likes Playboy. He really likes Playboy. Uh, but but Canaccord second firm out on it. So so you got Roth Capital. They have a twenty six dollar price target. Canaccord second firm street high price target. If you guys ever hear that term street high, uh, when they're talking about analysts and analyst involvement in a stock, it basically means that they have the highest price target or the highest estimates on the stock, that, depending on what what exactly that that they're referring to. Um, so would it be uh, safe so to say that Cap- Kathy Wood has a street high target price on Tesla? Yeah, but but it's if we want to get technical with it, I don't know if you're asking facetiously or not. I'll take the question literally. <laughs> um, uh, here, here, here's our Tesla chart for two days. I always like my two day charts. Um, but 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 when when you hear like somebody saying street highs, right? Whether whether it's for for an estimate or a price target, uh, typically what what folks are referring to are the uh, uh, sell side only, right? Kathy Wood on the buy side. I guess I guess we we, we can do this one too, right? Uh, uh, what's the difference between buy side and sell side? It's terms that you hear. If, if you don't know what they mean, I'll, I'll go over them in one, 18 seconds on the clock going now. All right. Buy side. That means you're an asset manager, right? You buy and you hold positions. It's you speculate on the price. There's buy side sell side. That means you are responsible for helping the buy side, get a hold of those assets, right? So, so when you hear about an investment bank, right? Selling businesses or, or a trading floor, uh, you know, those are all sell side because it is their job to help get these investments in the hands of the buy side. So, so, so there's your distinguishment there. The, the sell side firms, why do they produce this research, right? Why, why does, let's look at just Tesla as an example, right? We go look at their analyst ratings. We're, we're looking at Jeffries right now. What, why, why does Jeffries spend the energy to come out and, and put a, a rating on Tesla? Uh, it's, it's like a thought leadership thing. Basically, they say, hey, hedge funds, we're going to put out this really good research on this whatever basket of stocks it is that we want to cover, Um you know, and, and we will send you this research free of charge uh, if you let us sell stocks and, and companies or whatever it may be to you, right? If you're buying a whole company, if you're more of like a PE type play or you're a fund, you know, hey, let, let, let us get your shares. You want a million shares of Tesla, hire us to go out and find those million shares for you. 
So, so that's the deal there. Got it. I don't know if that was quite 18 seconds, but I'll take it. Yeah, was that long? <laughs> I might have gone a little long. All right, and, and grabbing some tickers out of the chat, putting them on the trusty notepad, guys. Let me let me just take a second to write these down. And and D M uh, R E and N D M another Kathy play. We'll do Voozy. Uh, and you already sniped PayPal. All right. So, so, so there we go. We, we, we've got a couple of them on the list. Um, let, let, let's warm today up. And I've got a sneak peek to show everybody. I, I have something that, that not even you have seen yet, Producer AB. You want to start there? Yeah. Got I a lo- good I little surprises. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Is it a new page? It's a new page. Oh, my God. I, I page is not up on the site yet. Uh, it, it will be going up on the site later today. I've got sort of like, like the, like the backdoor access, right? Backdoor guests are the best or something like that. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. but all right. No, that's a sign that my mom has at the house. Oh. You're going through the back door. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is like, like my, my backdoor access to it. Um, did you get it right? Like, like no, you I get don't, it. Don't come the front, right? Your backdoor guests. You're like, you know, you're, you're very friendly, but, but check it out. Airhorn for oh shit, I don't have sounds today. Oh, there it is. Okay, all right. Airhorn first airhorn of the day. Uh, FDA page up live on the site now, guys. Um, so 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 what is this? This is our first foray in into building you guys better FDA tools. Uh, that 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 we that you can use basically to keep track of catalysts, right? If we go ahead and we look at any given day, what what are the biggest gaining and losing stocks? I'm going to pull it up live today. I haven't checked yet, but but I am willing to bet that a lot of these stocks in this list are are you know biotechy type stocks. So let's see. All right, here here's the list, right? These ones aren't. Then you have one, two, three. Uh, let's see, four, five. So, so about five, half of, of the biggest gainers and losers in the market today are biotech stocks. It's like that every single day because they have, uh, uh, you know, basically that they have binary decisions, right? That they're working on these drugs, that the drugs are, they're going to show good data or they're not. There's step one. And then step two is the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is either going to approve these drugs or, or the drugs are going to get rejected. That That's the reality of these stocks. I specifically don't trade these stocks because I don't think that I have any sort of competitive advantage. Um, you know, hey, is, is this company's phase three results? Are they going to meet their endpoints? I don't know. Um, but 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 that's the deal there. Um, and, and so what we have to, to keep you guys protected, give you catalysts to trade on, is we have a, now a database of all the upcoming FDA events. So 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 check this out, right? If if we look here, we, we can see okay, what's the four six? Is that that next Monday? I'm guessing four six next Tuesday. So so we know this stock, TMDX, uh, it has an FDA approval date um, for their their organ care system called OCS Heart. Um, and and basically if if that gets approved by the FDA stock is going to go up. If it gets uh, rejected by the FDA, stock is probably going to go down, right? And if we scroll further into the week, right now, now we're looking at, at the 10th. These are, these are the next big events that we have. Um, we, we can see all these stocks that are having data presentations. And then we actually have notes as to whether or not this is new data that they're presenting or, or if they're basically do, doing a, a recap of, of the data that, that already exists. 
right? And there's a ton of companies it looks like presenting at this event. Um, you know, so 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 that's the deal there, guys. Uh, FDA page now live, uh, or, or I guess it will be live later today. And so I'm going to make the ask to Zinger Nation. If you guys trade these stocks, you care about these stocks, you like these stocks, hit the email address, powerhour at benzinga.com. Again, that's powerhour at benzinga.com. I, I want to send you all the links. You can try it out, check it out, and, and then give us any feedback on it, right? We're, we're only building this page because we want this to be the best and the most informative FDA catalyst page on the web, on the the internet on the market whatever it is it's a free page anybody can go use it uh but 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 shoot me the email address this has been my pet project for like the past two weekends i've basically only worked on on getting the the data in line the page in line etc so 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 drop the note power hour at benzinga.com we will get this sent over to you uh, and you'll be the first one to to see it and, and make suggestions how's that sound producer ab I think it sounds great to me. I was actually going to ask you because I know in the past you've kind of equated um, trading biotech stocks to go into the casino. Like it's something that you kind of stay clear of. So I didn't know if maybe that'll I'm change. Sure those were not the exact words that I used for the record, but keep going. Um, all right. Maybe it was more about like specifically a roulette okay, table. All right, not- all right. All right. Keep going. <laughs> I'm just saying I was, I'm curious if, if now that we have this page, maybe that'll that'll, you know, make you more inclined to trade some of these some of these stocks because you have some more information on them now oh we have nice music in the background that's interesting okay yeah that's real i i, I asked rohan i, th- I said that i thought it'd be nice for like a shortened week like a little light-hearted music for this thursday i want some, lo-fi. I want some high energy all right rohan no more like lo-fi. some, some black metal or something yeah we keep working on that producer rohan um but 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 yeah okay we're it's a good start um but, but no i i still personally do not trade these stocks because again it you're it's, it comes down to a binary event and and i don't think that i have any sort of competitive advantage for for that binary event if we go ahead and we compare that to something like like, like a voyager digital right i'm going to use the same example that i always use but it is at an all-time high today um but but if we compare that to a, to a voyager digital right um there's basically no analyst coverage of that stock. And there are a lot of information that comes out of the company, which we you can use to back into like, hey, what, what are earnings going to be this quarter, right? And you can come up with your, your own sales and EPS estimates. Um, you know, that's a place where I think that I have a competitive advantage because I don't think a lot of people are doing that sort of work. Um, you know, with, with these biotech stocks, I mean, they're, they're testing some new molecule to decrease cancer or like, you know what I mean? I have no idea. Um, so, so, so that's why, why I don't trade these ones in particular. There, there, there's a lot of folks um, that, that I talk to that love to buy these ones into the announcement. I think that's an interesting strategy, right? So, so for example, this, this TMDX, we know that they're going to have the FDA approval is going to be a yes or a no on the six. So maybe you trade the stock into that because oftentimes you'll see these stocks run up into the announcement. Um, you know, so, so, so that could potentially be an avenue. Yeah. I know my, I kind of got burned once when I was really young trading bio. Like, so when I was like 16, I had most of my, my money that I had saved up from working as a kid and stuff like invested in Apple stock. And it was a pretty, pretty good decision to be invested in Apple stock at that time from like 2010 to 2013. Yep. And then I just started getting into to trading stocks. I'm like 16. I read this article that this company Bluebird, the ticker is, Blue, B-L-U-E. Bio, I know it. 
Yeah, and I read an article, this was, in, again, in 2013, that they were like, you know, had a drug that was going to cure cancer, all this stuff. So I was like, oh, dad, I got to sell half my Apple stock and put it into Bluebird. He's like, I don't think that's a good idea, but, you know, fine, let's do it or whatever. How long ago so, was this? This was a go to max. You have to go to or at least a 10 year. This was in 2013. All right, here's your 10. All right, we'll go to max. So 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 they IPO'd in 2013. Or maybe it was, all right, it was somewhere on this, on that, Maybe I bought it in like 2015 on that top of that green candle, and it just I lost like half my money on you it. I, it. You were the highest trade. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? Never again. I'm not buying into these, uh, you know, articles that I read saying that Bluebird's going to cure cancer or anything like that. I'll stick to my to my apples, to my you know the stuff that I know. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of a one and done for me on on the biotech train. Have you ever top ticked to trade? Like I have, like bought great. at the very, very top. You're you're the wick on that candle. I think I I, I mean I might have been here I, for some reason. I thought it was when I was like 16, which was in 2013. But maybe it was a couple years later. Maybe it was when I when I was 18 in 2015 when I could actually trade for the first time. Maybe that's when it was. But uh oh oh Kodak. my Lanta yeah this chart's ugly. Oh, all right, we'll we'll look at Kodak in a minute here. I almost top tick GME. But I was pretty <laughs> close, like within uh, within, within ten minutes of, or five minutes of of the top trade, like and and it was early in the morning, it was like five a.m. So 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 like there weren't a lot of trades be- between me and then. There was uh, one. There was one that one of like the big runners from over the summer. I I did very much that. I think it might have been like workhorse or something. I literally bought. I was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. This is gonna be like the next Tesla or whatever, and then bought at the very very top. Yep. All right, but but before we go ahead and we, and we bring our first guest on in in a few minutes here, uh, just gonna gonna give a quick recap of what we have up ahead of us for the day. And guys, I'm gonna make the ask, smash that like button again if you want early access to that FDA page, our FDA database, upcoming catalysts. It's Power Hour at Benzinga.com. Again, the email address is Power Hour at Benzinga.com. That, that's where you reach out to if you want access to that. And again, like the stream, share the stream. Um, and, I and just put the I just put the email address in the chat, but I did it wrong. There's not two O's in in com. Okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> All right. Uh, other things on the radar today, guys. We have a lot of stocks to talk about. Um, we're 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 gonna get back to spy. We're we're gonna talk about just spy S and P five hundred market in general. We're also gonna do Trimble. Uh, we're we're gonna do ticker EBS. Look at that chart. That's an ugly one. EBS Echo Bravi Sandy. Uh, we're gonna do Palantir. We're gonna do Leslie's NMDM uh, Vuzi. And Kodak, at the very least, that that's what's on the docket right now, guys. But but without further ado, I, I see our guest in the waiting room. Uh, I don't, don't want to keep him keep him hanging out too long. <laughs> Tall, welcome to the Power Hour. Thank you. We, we, we are honored to have you here. I, I, I gave a little a little bit of context before you hopped on. Uh, and, and basically said we're going to be talking crypto VC, uh, you know, but I, I'm sure you can give a better description than that. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit about the fund uh, and then let's dive into it. All right. So the fund is called Spice uh, and it invests in uh, companies that are in the uh, blockchain and tokenization domain, uh, pretty much uh, companies that build pieces of the ecosystem Kind of the pioneers in uh, in this domain, companies that we believe will 
grow together with uh, with this domain and uh, we'll make a lot of money for our investors. Awesome. Uh, and and uh, can, can you tell us about some of the investments that you made or, or what parts of the market, maybe it's a better question, are, are most interesting to you? Right. So as, uh, as a VC fund, um, we have a defined time period um, yep. and it's seven to nine years. So we're looking at companies that will uh, that we can see significant appreciation of within that uh, window of time. So um, in the first two years of the fund, a lot of our investments were related to financial um financial industry implementation of uh, implementations of blockchain. Some of this was uh, purely crypto exchanges. For example, we invested in Ripio. It's a, a crypto provider in South America. Um, we invested in several companies in the digital securities uh, domain, which are basically your traditional securities world using blockchain uh, for uh, registering and transaction securities. Um, and uh, but we made some other investments as we saw some other industries adopting more seriously uh, blockchain for uh, for core businesses. Portfolio has been doing pretty well for the first uh, two and a half three years. So. I'm sure. And can we talk about Coinbase a little bit and, and that IPO? Talk about Coinbase. Yes. All right. So 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 I, I want to specifically let, let's talk about valuation a little bit. The numbers that, that I heard tossed around is, is that the, the company may debut at 50 or 60 times revenue. Um, I mean, that seems high, but, but, but I'm curious where, where you're at, you know, on, on the valuation side of things. I mean, is, is the revenue growth so explosive that within a few years, hey, that, that's trading at more normal multiples? Uh, but, but where are you at with it? So, you know, it's, it's um, really hard to, uh, to deal with uh, valuations, especially when you're talking about companies that are uh, players in an industry that is relatively young and growing very, very rapidly. I mean, if, if you were, I mean, you talked about Apple stock uh, just a little bit uh, earlier. Uh, think about Apple stock in the early days, if somebody was talking about 50%, uh, 50, times, uh, 50 times revenue, yeah, that wouldn't, uh, wouldn't sound reasonable today. Yep. It sounds extremely cheap, right? Um, so Coinbase is one of the key players, uh, uh, definitely in uh, in the U.S. Uh, in terms of uh, crypto exchanges. For people that believe that uh, crypto will become much more significant asset class within financial systems, then growth is going to be significant in the future beyond what uh, happened uh, until now. So. Uh, if if you believe in this uh, in that future, then fifty percent, fifty times multiple is maybe not that uh, that high. But I think if you look at uh, some of the IPOs we've seen over the last few months, uh, many of them have multiples that seem very very rich uh, in many ways. So I think it fits. Okay. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, in, in terms of, of Coinbase's growth, right, you're, you're obviously involved in, in other similar businesses. Um, I, I'm curious what, what you view as some of the advantages for, for the, the non-Coinbase uh, uh, exchanges. So first, um, Coinbase and some of the other uh, large players um, 
I think more than anything, uh, Mark, a significant acceptance, uh, especially with institutional investors um, and uh, with mainstream investors of uh, crypto as another asset class. Uh, and um, this was not the case two years ago, for example. Uh, two years ago, crypto was this uh, bizarre thing that few people felt comfortable touching. Um, I think that one of the things that uh, exchanges like uh, Coinbase do is they make it easier for um, normal people to hold crypto because you don't have to deal with all the uh, yucky crypto interface. And you're basically dealing with something that looks like your online broker uh, that you're dealing uh, with, uh, with stocks and bonds and so on. Um, so it, it helps bring it into the mainstream and it actually ushers a new uh, era for other exchanges as well uh, that uh, until not long ago were um, kind of in the gray zone uh, more into the mainstream. Yep. Okay. That's helpful. Um, and, and I'm curious if, if you have opinions. And I'm asking this question for, for a specific reason because I own, I own the stock Voyager Digital. And, and what I think, do you know this company? No, I don't. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. But but basically, it's it's a crypto brokerage is how they define themselves, not an exchange, and that and that it connects to to about a dozen exchanges, uh, and, and then allows users to basically get filled on what what the currency that they want at whatever exchange ha has the cheapest price at that given time. Um, you know, it, it seems to me that that that's sort of like like the futuristic model, especially for people who, who are actively trading and even for people who are investing uh, because that, that price disparity does exist. Um, and so I'm curious if you have any opinion on a business like that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, if you look at today's crypto market, it's fairly inefficient. Um, and I think it, it, uh, it is uh, very uh, um uh, very similar to um, um, early stage markets. It's very inefficient. You can uh, uh, find uh, significant differences between different exchanges. Um, and um, this, this is what uh, makes, uh, makes this business tick, right? Virtual uh, Digital. Um, and it also part of what drives uh, the DeFi industry uh, and the growth of that industry last year significantly. And it's the ability to, to find differences between different exchanges, between different prices, uh, between uh, um, uh, different interest rates and so on. Uh, I think that as the market becomes more efficient, assuming the market continues growing and becomes more mainstream, uh, more efficiencies will be built into the market. Exchanges will be connected to each other uh, and you'll find less opportunities for um, for um, differences like this. But I think that for the next uh, at least two or three years, it's go going to remain a very profitable business. Okay, awesome. Uh, and 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 let, let's hop over to NFTs, another very hot, trendy place in the market. Um, you know, I, I'm curious if if, if your portfolio ha has any exposure to NFTs. If, if, if it is, and, or even if it, it doesn't, is it a place that you'd want to get exposure into the future? Is, is it, you know, a, a, a long-term, uh, uh, you know, is it here to stay is, is basically the question and, and so enough first, that, that you'd want to be involved. So let's start with the end. Yes, it's here to stay. Uh, okay. it, it's a, 
uh, it's a very clear, yes, it's here to stay for many reasons. I mean, it, it is really, really uh, cool and flashy right now uh, because um, it has grown tremendously last year over 300%. I think it will grow, uh, it will more than quadruple itself this year as well. Um, there are a lot of um, celebrities involved in this, like Grimes and uh, uh, and Banksy and uh uh, Jack Dorsey and, and a bunch of others, uh, and you see extremely high um, value items like the uh, the piece of art that uh, people sold for uh, sixty nine million dollars, and uh, uh, Grimes selling um, um, digital art uh, for six million dollars in like twenty seconds or something. I mean, th this is all cool and a lot of pizzazz around it. But at the basic level, uh, NFTs are here to stay because they solve real-world problems of uh, uh, several domains. They obviously started from digital art, where there are real problems like uh, uh, proving ownership, registering ownership, uh, uh, authenticity, and so on. Uh, they solve issues like... Um, um, uh, ownership in items like uh, rare collectibles uh, and and so on um, in um, uh, assets for games, for example. This is a very rich and interesting market where rarity is uh, is significant and ownership is significant. Uh, and these are very difficult to do for digital items. Um, and this is where it all started. Uh, and, and NFTs have uh, the, the capability as a technology to solve a lot of those issues and smooth a lot of those transactions and make them more accessible. So if we take the, the pizzazz away, um, it's real world uh, solutions to problems. Uh, it's making uh, um, trade much more efficient in uh, areas of uh, art and collectibles um, and games. Uh, and it has many other applications that were not uh, explored yet, uh, like wills, for example. Almost anything that you can think of that represents something unique or rare um, has uh, application that, uh, that NFTs can, uh, can solve. Uh, we are more interested in platforms uh, and in uh, providers that enable solutions within uh, an ecosystem. And we're definitely looking at the NFT ecosystem for uh, potential investments. Um, and I think for people who are interested in gaining from the growth of that industry, the place to look is uh, companies that enable new capabilities and new applications in this domain, not just the marketplaces, but there are many other uh, components that are still missing and will have to be developed over the next uh, few years, both from a technology standpoint and from a service standpoint. Awesome. And, and, and I, uh, you know, go, going off of like you're, you're talking about ecosystems and, and some of the real, real world problems, I, I see a company in your portfolio, lottery.com. Um, and, and that's actually one that I got connected with really early on. I think when they were just getting started, I, I, I met Tony maybe in New York or something uh, like back in 2016, 2017, um, you know, pr pretty early on in, into their business. 
um and in the it, it seems like like you know blockchain technology is a could be a very futuristic solution for for managing lottery uh so so i'm i, I if nothing that else other than just just for for you know my, my own interest you know what, what what's going on with that business um you know what, what's interesting with it etc it's actually very, very interesting. It's going public, uh, the New York Stock Exchange. Um, they're doing extremely well. Um, actually, Lottery.com used uh, blockchain mainly for fundraising in the early stages of, uh, of the company rather than run the day-to-day -day business. The day-to-day -day business of uh, operating lotteries um, is, uh, um, is, is a... Uh, very um, uh, interesting and complex business, but this is not uh, where they're uh, utilizing blockchain the most. Okay, got it. Um, and and then uh, any other thoughts? Any any other words of wisdom? Uh, things we should leave our viewers with? Uh, you know, pl places that they can stay in touch, etc. So um, obviously, uh, you, if people are interested in uh, blockchain and in uh, real-life uh, applications uh, and uh, how to benefit from the growth of this domain. It's really hard to do it by investing in individual companies. Most of them are early-stage companies, um, and it's very, very hard to separate um, the diamonds uh, from the rest of the, the pile. Um, so investing through VC funds uh, or through funds that invest in this domain uh, is what I would advise. And um, spicevc.com is a place to, uh, to look at uh, what we do. Uh, and you can go into our blog and see uh, a bunch of uh, articles that, uh, that we published on uh, different domains uh, that relate to blockchain. Happy to talk to anybody that is interested. Awesome. Tall. Super interesting conversation, and, and I, I love the sort so, sort of the the different conversation you can bring, right? A lot of times when we have crypto guests on, it's you know, hey, we're just going to speculate about the price of Bitcoin. Uh, but but I, I love that you know you're able and, and you do. I mean, that's what you do all day is is you really dig into these businesses and the applications. So, so thanks yeah. so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, all right, guys. How about that? In the lottery.com one that, that I mentioned, check this one out. Um, I'm going to share my screen here. Boom. There it is. Look at that. All the way back in 2017, I met those guys. And now I, I got the ticker. Somebody threw it in the chat there. I think it was Chris Catchy, SPAC attack. What, what was the ticker that he put there? TDAC, SPAC deal going public. Uh, you know, there you go. You never know, right? I, I think it was. Uh, they, they had literally just purchased the domain lottery.com at that time when, when, when I met those guys and, and we're getting the business up and running. So very cool. We'll, we'll have to get in touch with them. Chris, if, if you're not already having them on SPAC attack, I'd, I'd love to have them on to the power hour. Uh, and you know, it'll be like a, a four year reunion. So, all right guys. And, and for everybody just joining us today, let me give you a little bit of a preview as to what we have going on for the next, let's see, 80 minutes, 80 minutes left. Um, so, all right, we, we've got a handful of trades to talk through. We, we, we have we have Trimble, we have EBS, Palantir, Leslie's, NNDM, Boozy, and maybe even Kodak. We, we may or may not come, come up with Kodak. We'll, we'll see there. I, I see some speculation in the chat that they might be throwing some dollars into Kodak. Um, it's running again. 
uh, I, I've got strong opinions about this stock. So, so we'll get into that one. Uh, of course, if you have other tickets for us to look at, drop them in the chat. Hit the like, share the stream, uh, and we, we, we've got a very special guest who's about to come on with us. We're, we're going to talk about uh, everybody's favorite stock of 2021, Rod Alsman, GMEDD.com, back on the power hour. And Rod, between the last time you were on and now, a few things happened, right? We, we had well, no halts. Running. No halts today. <laughs> Every right, time sure. you guys have had me on, there have been halts. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. There, there might be some halts. Who knows, right? Maybe some interest gets drummed up, um, you know, and I, I got a new soundboard, too. Oh, yeah? Yep. Oh, but we can't hear it. Okay. I tried. Um, uh, but but what's up, man? How, how have things in your world been? Uh, a, a little more calm for me because I'm just living the Theta gang life for the most part when it comes to my GameStop positions. <laughs> so, so, so last time we chatted, basically, you were just selling a ton of premium and puts uh, against GameStop. Uh, is, is that still the move? Yeah, I've got a bunch of cash secured puts like we've talked about. I am actually in the midst of doing some um, ACATs from Vanguard over to brokers that, you know, actually let you do multi-leg options trades. Cause I'm, what I'm trying to do is roll up the strikes on some of my CSPs. Cause I have them down at like 30, 40. And to be honest, I think my bear case has gone up with all of the incremental new hires that they've brought aboard. I think that the execution risk of this transformation is lower because of all the talent that they're bringing on from Amazon, from Chewy, from all over the place. So I'm trying to, raise um, the amount of premium I can bring in on those uh, because the implied volatility is still so high that you can write these and happily take possession of the shares at you know whatever strike you deem a good entry point and get paid to wait in the meantime, even with the price near 200. And, and, and the premium I imagine is insane, right? That, that, that you're collecting on these. Yeah. Uh, it, if you were to say, I mean, it, it's really just crazy because the implied volatility is, is just still in the nosebleeds and the historical volatility has been in the nosebleeds too. But like, if yeah. you were to look at say, I don't know, April, well, obviously April, we're in April now, but look at July or, or even if you looked at the January 22 stuff, you can get paid you're using January 22, for example. So you're way out. Okay. So, yeah. so I, I have the option chain up. Let's look at the put. Holy crap. Holy crap, guys. All right. Let, let, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slow you down for a second, Rod. Okay. And I just want to explain this yeah. for, for, you know, let, let, let's, let's talk through why I'm having this reaction. And uh, let's see. All right. There's a new soundboard sound. I'm just pressing them randomly throughout the week. Um, I hadn't tried that one yet. I, I'm done with it. But but all right. So so check this out, guys. We, we are looking at the option chain and GameStop ticker GME. Uh, we're, we're looking at the January 2022 put. So, so that's 295 days from now. The, these contracts are selling for, for if we look at the, the 190s, which is pretty much where the stock is at right now, $95, okay? So, so, so basically, if you are buying these puts, if you're making the decision that I'm going to put throw down, what, what is that, 9300 bucks to get this short exposure to GameStop, you don't start making money until the stock is at 95 right? About half of, of where it is now. Um, if, if you if you want to go the other way, right? And again, we're using the, the strike price that the stock is at right now as an example. You want to sell puts, which makes you synthetically long the stock. You're, you're going to collect 9300 bucks today uh, and, and you start losing money 
when, when the stock is at 190 minus 95, uh, which is about 95 bucks. Um, so holy crap, are these expensive? I mean, this is like un, unheard of Lee expensive. Yeah, I, I think I shared it um, on one of the other times you guys had me on. The implied volatility when we were in the middle of that squeeze in January was the highest I've ever seen on any security in my life. We saw four-digit implied volatility. Like, I didn't know it went that high. I mean, literally IV over a thousand percent, which is just mind-blowing. And it's still really high. Like the IV, IBKR is showing you right there, 144. I'm looking at Schwab and they're saying, you know, 150 for the at the money um, put. So I guess that 144 must be a mix because there's still a 10% spread in favor of the puts premium to calls. But but your point, Luke, regardless is, you know, for example, you could write that 190 and your break even is under 100 bucks if you wanted to buy GameStop, you know, lock in prospectively buying GameStop if you think that, you know, that those prices make sense to you, right? Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. So, so even if you went down to a hundred bucks, all right, we'll do. Let's do one more example, right? So we're talking about a hundred dollar yep. strike price. The stock is at what one ninety ish, one eighty eight, something like that. Uh, let's let's get a last print here. So the so stock's at one eighty seven. Okay, you 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 the the hundred dollar put. So if you're buying these puts to be short the stock, you, you don't even start making money until it's sixty five and below, and you've got to lock up thirty five hundred dollars today. Uh, and, and if you're selling them, you get 3,500 bucks today and, and you're committed to buying the stock for a hundred, which well, you'd lock would make up, your... you'd lock up the, um, cash amount, right? So the hundred dollar strike. So you'd lock up a hundred shares times a hundred dollars. You'd lock up the 10,000 less the premium you got. So you'd receive the 35 or 3,600 in premium. So you'd really have, you know, about that 60, what, 400, um, that you'd have to have you know, securing it. Obviously, if you're in a margin account, it's different, but let's yeah, just, I was just, say, just throw it to margin. Interest rates are low. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of risk, right? Like we, we all can appreciate that the price is still rel relatively elevated when we look at trailing financial results, but you know, it goes back to what I was just saying. And I think what folks um, are coming around to, I think Kramer was talking about it the other day that, you know, Ryan Cohen is building a dream team. I think that was his term precisely. And, and it's hard to argue when you have these talented senior leaders from these tech giants going over to GameStop that they're not going there because they think they're joining a failing blockbuster. They're going there because they clearly have bought into a vision that he's communicated to them in private. And I have no idea precisely what his plan is beyond what he's publicized, right? But there's clearly a lot of excitement when you're getting all this top talent to come over. And uh, it's it's really tough to evaluate the company because if you look at trailing financials, it's really irrelevant given the console cycle noise, all of the COVID closure noise for them as a physical, you know, legacy physical retail yep. business in 2020. So it, it's clearly a very... Um, polarizing stock still as evidenced by the IV levels. So, so, so let, let's talk about some, some of that management transition. So, so who, how many, you know, former Chewy execs or, or other tech execs have they, have they brought over? What, what are some of the important roles here? Uh, help us read between the lines a little bit. Sure. Sure. So we've, and I'm not taking all the credit. It's a team effort, but at gmedd.com, we've we've really been trying to stay abreast of all of these actions. And you could check out the site and kind of follow the the recent updates. You know, just on March 30th, so just a couple of days ago, we had announcements of a chief growth officer that was brought aboard. 
uh, Elliot Wilkie. So he joined them from Amazon, where he'd said senior roles across the Amazon Fresh, Prime Pantry, and their worldwide private brands. So are we going to see more white label GameStop related accessory or um, other uh toy products. We'll see. So we've got that chief growth officer. I think that that's a space that makes a lot of sense as they've tried to grow into the PC area. We've heard about them rolling out these different, um, where you can build your own PC at a GameStop store. They've done some test stores on that. And, and PC gaming is a space that they had really abdicated for a while. And they, even before Ryan came, you know, got really involved, George Sherman and the, and the team had pointed at PC gaming as a growth opportunity. So I think we'll see more in the line of white label of, uh, especially in PC parts and components. Um, we had a announcement of a VP of brand development who had been Chewy's VP of marketing. We had a VP yeah. of merchandising who had been Chewy's VP of merchandising. So it's really a lot of old That's Chewy lot, folks yeah. and, and Amazon folks. Again, if you're poaching Amazon folks, like I don't think you're pitching them, you know, that we're going to be the last blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. If, if they're choosing to leave the rocket ship that is Amazon.com, right, or, or they've already left it. I mean, they, 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 they've seen what, what kind of wild ride that is. And, and obviously they, they thrive in that sort of an environment. Um, but what, but what did you think of the conference call, the earnings report and the conference call? I was disappointed personally, right? The, the no Q and a, first of all, yeah. I couldn't even get in it at first cause it was full. That was annoying. You had to right? join literally in the morning and, and folks who've been following GameStop long enough knew the same thing happened in the third quarter <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where people got locked out. Know. Unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, Luke. Didn't give you the heads up on that. We did stream it on yeah. our channel for that purpose. So somebody here on the Benzinga team got in or was registered on time and then was able to restream it. So anybody who missed it couldn't, but yeah. Yeah. Look, I, it was very, um, I think disappointing. It, it's hard to argue. It wasn't right. We, we wanted to, I say, we, I think most every investor and even just media uh, folks wanted to know what the hell's going on a little bit more clearly. And you know, if you look at the press release uh, that they, they just let George Sherman, you know, stick to the script and they opted not to field any Q and a, which was very disappointing because they had, they were supposed to in January tell us about their strategy going forward at this ICR industry conference, which they were supposed to present January 13th, I believe it was, whatever that Monday was at that conference. And they then that same, day, that, that, that same day, that same day, they had the settlement announcement with Cohen and, and adding the three Chewy, Cohen and his uh, two it, former okay. Chewy guys to the board. So I think it was one of those, well, why are we going to go talk about, you know, George Sherman's strategy when we've clearly um, gone in a different direction, but we still haven't really heard much detail. Um, they gave us in the release, like, here's what we're looking for in 2021. And there's really a lot of talk about the customer, talk about technology and digital, which is all well and good, but still just a lot of meat hasn't come out publicly. But again, the, the price has clearly front ran that. And I, I think that the hires lend credence that there's clearly something going on behind the scenes. Yeah, but as I remember into the call, because you, you're, you're gracious enough to join us, but before the, the, the report and the call, and basically your big thing was, we want to see what the plan of attack is. And, and that's right. what, what we're looking forward to, just like the rest of the world was. We, we didn't get it. So it's so about to hang out a little bit longer. Um, you know, ba based on, on the communications that we've gotten from the company since, since all this happened, I would imagine that at this point, we're hanging out until, until that Q2 uh, report and call. Is that fair? Or do you think we'll get something before that? Uh, I know something that speculative is, look, we had it, the question to me is like, is George Sherman really running the ship 
you know, George Sherman is the CEO and he was hired. Um, the announcement of his hiring was on March 21st of 2019 after they had concluded their previous strategic review. Yep. And if we recall in November of 2020, Ryan Cohen had written a letter to the board and saying, well, I think we need to do another strategic review because of how much has changed in the market. And then we got this board settlement that didn't end up being a proxy fight, um, which we then had the short squeeze in January. And now it's, um, it's it's still just unclear at a detailed level of how exactly they are going to shift from the legacy, you know, core brick and mortar selling video game software that you put into a PS5 or or, P, or you know Xbox Series X, um, yeah. which we we all know, no one is disagreeing that digital is going to continue to take a larger portion of the pie. I think there's some disagreement on how quickly the remaining physical portion of the pie um, shrinks or, or whether the pie itself is growing such that physical actually will always remain a material contingent there. There's there's yeah. clearly disagreement. Do, we do all, they own real estate or, or do they lease it all? It's all leased. So, okay. so this is something that a lot of people also get hung up on is in the US, it's about a 90% strip mall lease footprint and about 10% think, you know, your class A, B, whatever, um, commercial mall store footprint, whereas abroad in Europe and in in Canada and elsewhere, it's the inverse. So they're mostly in malls in Europe, but they're mostly in strip stores in the U.S. But it's leased stores. Uh, the average lease life is very short, relatively speaking. So we're talking the amount of inherent embedded flexibility for this sort of a transition is huge. And that people, you know, there was a lease accounting change. Folks maybe remember where all the leases had to be put on balance sheets as right of use assets. And it looked like GameStop put a ton of debt on its balance sheet when people were looking at it at a very high level. But it's like, well, no, they just put all these lease liabilities on the balance sheet, which those disappear if the lease runs off. And they've yeah. been de-densifying. They closed 700 stores in 2020. People, you know, some and, people- and, will, and how many are left? It's under 5,000 at this point. Um, it, it had been over 7,000 at the peak. So, I mean, they've, they've been whittling down that store footprint for a long time. And, and it's so like, a like, I think about like just run like an operating a business like that. Insane. Like that's where my mind jumps to, you know, and I'm like, holy, like, I think that we have too much stuff going on. We've got maybe like 150 people or so here. So here at Benzinga, and then you talk about like 7,000 stores and it's like, that's not even like yeah. their corporate, uh, you, you know, experience. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. And just to go down that path a little bit, like, for years before um, the new team had come aboard and, and we have like an interim CFO too. So it's it's still, again, unclear precisely how fast the go forward pace of store de-densification is going to look. But they had looked at it from a four walls EBITDA perspective. And the last thing they'd said was that like 95% of the stores were four walls EBITDA positive, which, okay, that's good and all. But the issue was they hadn't really thought about it where, well, we can close these stores, I mean, you can give you plenty of examples. You could pull up Google Maps and like look at GameStop near you and probably see like, what the hell, why do I have like four GameStops within a 10 mile drive? But what they've been doing is closing stores that are duplicative and they are realizing a 40% plus transfer rate is what they'd been discussing most recently. And some analysts have thought it could even be higher now because of the work they're making in e-commerce. But it's like, okay, well I lose, you know, 60% of those sales, but I'm taking it's accretive to, from an earnings perspective, basically, because you're, you're, you're eliminating all of the costs of that store 
but you're transferring the sales, whether it's to their e-commerce These are going to be some messy EPS numbers, basically. We just need to get to that adjusted figure as soon it, as possible. It's it's going to be noisy, too, just because there's a lot of there's still a lot of supply chain issues, like getting the PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series you know, X's in people's hands, like clearly demand still outpacing supply. Um, I, I don't know if it was an April Fool's joke for Halo Infinite being delayed again to 2022 or not this morning, but like a lot of the software has been delayed because, uh, you know, the teams can't code and meet and do all of the development in person because of COVID. So there's been a lot of software delays. So look, it's like, yeah, the results, you know, fourth quarter was disappointing and the stock declined big time the next day. And then it immediately jumped up again because GameStop does whatever the hell it wants. But I, I, you yep. can't look at GameStop in a this very short term view. You really have to think, where is it going? What Where are they trying to tap into? Like, to me, I think the holy grail would be some sort of a subscription model a la Prime where they have Power Up Rewards Pro right now, which is... 20 bucks a year they have like 5 million paying members but can you make that really like really truly if you're a video gamer it's like i have to have power up like it, it's a no-brainer like if i'm you know uh, most american consumers have prime i think ryan sees it as let's make a let's make power up all the data that's related with all the consumer transaction activity you know stephanie winsink is the sell side analyst at jeffries and she's been talking about viewing that data as like a 600 billion uh, million excuse me ebit opportunity we don't think it's quite that high we have it modeled out on gmedd.com but there's a real big opportunity to sell services to folks who want to tap into gamestop's target market and it's better than amazon because you can actually find what you're looking for okay um, and, and so, so, so I've got a, a couple things from that first one, you mentioned April fools. Okay. I've got to bring up my favorite corporate April fools prank of all time. Uh, it was when audible.com came out and said that they're launching a service for your fish. Like, like, like they, you know, put up a web page and like a press release that looked all official. Like, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your, your fish, uh, you know, can have access to subscriptions and listen to books when you're not home. It was great. Um, you know, and, and, and then off of that, uh, you know, get, getting back to, to your trades a little bit, um, because there, there's so many people in the chat who are, are trying to speculate about your price target. So, so let, let, let's just settle it. Right. And, and so I'm going to ask the question of when, when you're selling the puts against the stock, um, but like how are, how are you choosing your strike price or, or backing into that? Yeah, I I think I know I've said it elsewhere. I forget if I've really made it clear on, on the show and I hope it's clear about my actions. I'm, I'm typically a relatively conservative, more value oriented investor. And mm -hmm. GameStop is a rather unique thing in that it it transitioned from being deep value. Uh, if you guys know the Reddit user, you know, Mr. Keith Gill, deep fucking value. <laughs> Not allowed to say that on Venzinka. But, you know, that was the way we were viewing it in in you know 2019 2020 he i independent of one another all of these investors that mike mike burry um we all saw it as like this deep value play for a variety of different reasons and clearly now it's no longer a deep value play at 200 a share it's a different play it's a transformation you know growth type play but there is prospectively value at the right price so the way i'm thinking about it is with, with implied volatility at these levels, I can get paid a nice premium to possibly buy the stock at a price I'm willing to pay. You know, the report we put out, we put the report out in you know, mid-January, the price was 35 bucks when we put it out. 
and we had a bear case that was in the low 30s. We had a bull case that was, you know, 169 tongue in cheek, but it was truly in the mid to high 100s. And we had a base case that was around. No 80. decimals on that. You didn't have the 169. 60. It was yeah yeah 169 420 was the precise price target. Okay, I, uh, I may or may not have a, a GME sell order in my brokerage <laughs> account that was four four two zero point six nine. But I, more on I, that later. Luke, I sold when I was getting interviewed by Joe Weisenthal on Odd Lots and Tracy Alloway, I sold at four twenty sixty nine. That was my best sell. You did? Okay, no, that's mine too. All right, we're in that one together. Let's go. It was like a um, 5 a.m. trade for me. It's like my alarm went off. I checked it. I'm like, oh it's close. I I'm throwing this order out there. Let's go. Oh man, it's too funny. But but look, so like to get to the question, we haven't updated it because yes, we've got the hires. And I was saying earlier, you know, I think it's safe to say that the execution risk is lower because of the team that they're putting in place. So I think that the bear case, you know, being in the low mid 30s, it's probably safe to say I'm I'd be more more comfortable with a 50-ish dollar bear case just as a, you know, we, we need to run the model. I'm not trying to say that's the definitive, but I'm more willing to roll my CSPs that I have written at like 30 and 40. I have them expiring in April 16th and I mentioned I'm waiting for the ACATs, but once I get it there, I'm going to do, you know, a roll up to $50 strike, probably look at, you know, even, even if you look at three months out for July for 106 days at 50 bucks, you're going to get a $45 break even. So you're going to get a, you know, 10% return over that 106 days that would require a 70 plus percent price decline for you to even get assigned. Like to me, the risk reward there is pretty good given how comfortable I would be buying GameStop at 50. Okay. All right. I like it. That's helpful. You, you brought up a, a couple other points to bring up. Does this show you, I mean, you've been here before, you know, we promise information ideas. We also have gimmicks and jokes. Uh, best joke of the day so far. Best joke of the day. Well, you pick whatever you want from swag.benzinga.com. We'll run that one again, guys. Uh, but but so far, uh, Rod, you should spell your name R-O-D-D. <laughs> I don't know if you've gotten that one before, but if not, it's pretty damn good. I, I got a specialty license plate coming in the mail from the state of Florida, G-M-E-D-D. Can't wait to put that on my website. Yo, <laughs> and then you asked another question. You don't know if you can swear on this show. Oh, fuck yeah, this is the shit. So, so that, 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 that'll answer that one for you. Uh, you know, when when the, the the idea is to get this over the top and, and, and on, on the TV sooner than later. So, so things may have to change, but we are having fun while we can. <laughs> can with it. Um, awesome, Rod. I mean, I, I, I don't know how much longer you have and, and we will let you get back to, to, to life and whatever you're doing other, other than, than gracing us with your presence and, and hanging out, but, but any other final uh, thoughts, words of wisdom, et cetera? You know, just in a related type of investment opportunity, there's a, a stock that I've, I had bought, um, within the last couple months, a SPAC that went public. Okay, wait, this is, wait, 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 wait. All right, I'm slowing you down. So we're about to get a new ticker? New ticker. Oh, let's go. So, so this company is one of those companies that, si similar to GameStop, is a venerable, well-known brand. Um, this one's known globally. GameStop is a little more US-based. But you've got a brand that can play in a variety of spaces, whether direct to consumer, whether you're licensing the name, um, they've been private. I think they've 
um, had some mismanagement in years past. Um, and people think about them from a very legacy perspective. They think about the magazine and the centerfolds that come associated with that uh, brand's legacy oh, I product. Know what it is. We already talked about it. All right. We did? Okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. We talked about it in a joking manner. Um, oh, you did? It's up sixteen percent today. I was almost going to ask you too if if GameStop could be an NFT play, but I didn't really want to throw that out into the universe. But they sell a lot of merchandise. Just okay. Mm -hmm. But all right, all right. Say the ticker. I'm pulling up the chart. Plby Playboy. Plby. Another turnaround story. Uh, all right, take us through this one. Yeah. So you got Ben Cohn has put a team in place that, to me, wait, wait, who put a team in place? Ben Cohen is the CEO. I okay, don't so we got two Cohens that we're dealing with. Oh yeah, no, no, it's K O N, not K O H E N. Okay, good. I was about to say, do you like, do you have a stock screener where one of the criteria yeah, yeah. is CEO or like executive last name? Only show me ones that have guys named Cohen. Um, but but okay, all right, different spelling, so I can get past that. Keep going. Right. No. So look, I mean, the chart is obviously run up rather significantly um, in the last few days. Uh, they they had in an industry conference talked about the idea of monetizing some of their assets. I guess you guys already talked about all the NFT stuff, but no, this is one of those things where it's like internationally in India, in China, all over the world. This is one of those like Americana brands that are very well perceived. They've done a lot of work from, from what I've read and taken away in expanding beyond just, you know, your maybe your core male audience, they've, they've grown share with women and especially grown with younger people. And to me, it's, it's a brand that you don't have to invest much in because it's ubiquitous. I think everybody recognizes the, the logo and everybody's familiar with the brand. So there's, there's just a good team in place. They've got a great brand that I think they can get a lot of leverage off. And I think that this could be worth multiple billions within a few years. So, so, okay, so multiple bins in a few years, what, what's the market cap or, or the enterprise value right now? Right now, I mean, Roughly. shoot, things all over the place. Um, Within an order of magnitude. I just have no context. Yeah, right, it, was, it was a few hundred. It's 750 right now, market okay. cap. Okay, so 750 market cap. And, and quick lesson, during your market cap, enterprise value, uh, enterprise value, you are adding in debt, specifically long-term debt, or, or at least that's how I, I, that's what I add back. And then you pull out cash. Um, you, you think about, you know, where does the distribution of cash flows? You got to make, you got to service the debt. Um, that, that, that's the difference there. Um, and that's also why we, we use EV to EBITDA and not EV to, to, to market cap, right? Because that EBITDA has to get distributed. Some of that's going to the debt holders, not, not just to the equity holders, but that's an aside. Um, but okay. How, how do they make money? Is, is it like a, a digital publisher play? Like, like this, like the media space is a space that I know well, right? I've been at Benzinga for eight years. I, I know. The, the, this space and what opportunities are in this space better than than anything. So 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 how do they make money? Is it subscriptions, ads, etc.? Sure. So it could be uh, brand licensing too. I don't know. It, it it is a big portion of it is is licensing related revenues. So I'm I'm pulling up the investor deck because I I'm not going to claim to be nearly as well versed in the company as I am with GameStop. Okay. Um, they they have a pretty solid investor deck though. I I had jokingly shared if you were to pull up their investor deck. Um, slide 14, I thought as somebody who puts a lot of board slides together um, for my day job, I was really impressed with the word choice and the visual cues they put on slide 14 in particular of, of their investor deck. What, uh, so, so you, you go Playboy Investor Relations, I'm guessing is where you started yep. to get yep. to that. 
Wait, I don't have that. Is it this MC acquisition? Is that where I want to go? Uh, plbygroup.com slash investors. Thank you. plbygroup.com slash investors. Wait, in your day job, you... Oh, come on. What did I do wrong? plbygroup.com, right? All right, we're not pulling up the board deck today, guys. But 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 just Google Google um, PLBY investor relations, and it was the first result. Okay, there we go. Thank you. PLBY. <laughs> I did Dave Investors. That's funny. All right, so so here's the investors. And March the, twenty-one. Uh, yep. Yeah. Left most, the March yep. one. All right, and we want to check out slide fourteen. Yeah, I just thought it was Boom. one of those really well crafted. Like <laughs> a rapidly growing sector, <laughs> and then you can kind of see the the ring for the distribution breakout on the right hand side. To you know, you can see the euphemism there. Just really enjoyed some of those visuals on this. As as somebody who makes these, yeah, I work. I do corporate strategy is kind of my day job. So, okay, all right. Well, we need help with Benzinga. Clearly, <laughs> as you can tell by coming onto our shows. But but anyways, that's a different discussion. Okay, th this this slide is great. Yeah, it's definitely a growth play. I mean, if you were to look at like the current financials, the you know the EV to EBITDA multiple, like yeah, you're you're definitely paying a pretty hefty premium. I, I think what you're paying for, to me, what I'm paying for is I'm paying for what I believe to be a strong management team that can really leverage a brand that is unique. Um, I don't think there's quite another brand positioned like it globally. Sexual wellness, the whole like destigmatizing of things sexual related. I, I think that's going to be a good industry to be a part of in the 20s. All right. We, we need a, a for hymns.com ticker HIMS and in, in Playboy merger. You know, all right. <laughs> Not throwing that out there as a rumor. Just, you know, it's that's my joke of the day. Okay. Um, but all right. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and, you know, like like a big part of our business here at Benzinga is content licensing. We don't really license it. We don't license our brand out. Um, but we do do a lot of, of content licensing. And, and it's a great business because we, we, we basically don't need to do any sort of incremental work, which means right. that we're not incurring any sort of incremental expenses. Um, and, and we're, you're generating very, for in our case, right, very consistent revenue, the same amount of payment every single month for long-term contracts, 12, 36 month contracts that automatically renew, have low churn, uh, et cetera, because once somebody becomes dependent on, on, you know, the licensing, the content that, that we sell them, um, it, it, it's tough to get off of that dependency. And, and I would imagine that, that the same is similar for if you're building a business around using the, the Playboy brand, you know, you take that brand away, what do you have left in the business, right? The, the, the brand affinity and the brand there and that's been established is, is a really valuable piece of the business, right? That's why when Benzinga breaks stories, right, right, check this out. We, we broke three stories last week on public stocks that, that moved the companies more than 20%. The companies came to us to, to put the news out there and then followed out with the press release like an hour later or whatever it was. Awesome. Um, but if I was just starting, you know, LukeStocks.com, maybe I should start that. But if I was starting LukeStocks.com and I put that out there, uh, you know, it, it's not doing anything to the stock. It, it, it's that 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 brand that, that's been built that, that allows that to happen. So. Yeah, you'd you'd have to invest a little bit in in marketing LukeStock.com to get get things going. But yeah, Playboy well, Playboy and Benzinga don't have to as much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But cool, man. All right, so I like it. You 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 not only gave us the the, the deep dive on GME, we, we've been needing to catch up with you. I was so bummed. We, we we talked about you coming on the day after the earnings report. 
And, and I totally <laughs> forgot. We, we hosted a two-day biotech conference on the channel instead. So, so there, was, there was no show or anything. It was actually really cool. 60 small cap biotech companies basically presenting their drugs and why they make a compelling investment. All back to back to back, 15-minute presentations. Really cool day. Um, but we, we miss being able to debrief about, about GameStop. It's all right. Hopefully we'll hear more soon from the company and we can we can talk more about it. But regardless, in the meantime, um, it, it continues to be one of the craziest stocks in the market. I think we can all agree. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and fun, fun to watch. I mean, that, that option pricing, guys, if you're just joining us, scroll back to, to the beginning of the segment. Right. Just hit that little rewind thing. Pull it back until you see Rod's smiling face there. Uh, <laughs> and we were going over how expensive the options are. It's nuts. I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, Rod was saying that it was crazier when, when yeah. you know, this first started happening. I don't know why we didn't look at the options chains. And I guess we were just so fixed on the actual stock itself that we didn't. Um, but all right, guys, Rod's Twitter in the chat, gmedd.com in the chat, uh, my Twitter in the chat. So, so make sure you stay in touch. And my Twitter is actually just at Rod Alsman. So the GMEDD one is a group Twitter, but you can follow both. Okay. Well, I put Rod Alsman in oh, there. there GMEDD.com in there. Perfect. So, Appreciate sorry, it. Adam. For sure, man. Appreciate you coming on and, and hanging out with us. Thanks for having me, Luke. Absolutely. All right. Talk soon, sir. All right. Have a good one, everybody. All right, guys. So, so there you have it. There, there, there's the deep dive. There, there, there's the breakdown on GameStop. What, what I love that Rod brings to us uh, is, is that it's, it's like it, it's informed, right? We're actually learning about the company and learning about the story and, and understanding what, what do the bulls in this stock care about? What do they see, uh, it, et cetera? Um, you know, it, it's, it's not the, you know, hey, we're going to speculate on price and, and you'll trade this thing, which I do enjoy, right? Don't get me wrong. We're not cutting that out, uh, but but it's it's important to actually understand the story and all the great research that they do. That's that's where it's at at, at gmedd.com. Um, but all right, I, I think it's time for some takers, guys. I'm gonna make another ask, second ask of the day. Please like the stream. Please share the stream. You guys saw Jason popped in the chat for a minute here, and then he left because there's not enough viewers. Maybe maybe if we get it up in the, in the 600s, I don't know. Maybe he'll come on and hang out hang out with us. Um, but, but all right, let, let, let's do some ticker time. Uh, I, I, I see James in the chat starting it off and, and the, um, that's where we're going first. Kathy play producer AB. I, I see you hanging out on the sidelines. If you want, if you want to come back, come, come and kick it with us. But, what but up, right. y'all? What's up? What's up? What's up? We're, we're about to hammer tickers. We're going fast. All right. We're going to rapid fire tickers and, and we might YOLO trade Kodak, uh, Maybe even we put a bounty on it. If, if we get up to 750 likes, we're going to YOLO trade Kodak long into the three-day weekend. My favorite stock to hate. I will hit a Kodak Kodak rant today. Uh, but, but let's talk about Nano Dimension, ticker NNDM. That's Nano. Yeah. November, November, Delta Mike. Um, uh, any opinion on this one? I, I don't know a ton about the stock, guys. Uh, j- just pulling up the chart quickly. It doesn't look great. Uh, let's see. Let, let's look at daily candles. So, so here are the daily candles on the stock. That means each red or green bar represents. Wait, look re- real quick before before the SEC starts knocking on my door. I gotta I gotta throw this out there. I do I do hold a little small position in this stock. No options or anything. Just some common stock. All right, there you go. Okay, I own a lot of stocks. <laughs> a lot of stocks. 
and options you guys know so somebody had a great comment in the chat yesterday i couldn't remember what my palantir trade was they said if you can't remember what the trade is you own too many positions i think that is so true but then um, someone else in the chat remembered the exact that you had 22 whatever 22 strike strikes hold the putt so so we're gonna look at that 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 uh that trade in a second here and, and actually i i got logged out of my interactive brokers account so so producer ab if you want to share your screen and pull the charts up i'll log back in so I, we can look live at that palantir trade that we made together last week but on ndm i know that that, that that it's a kathy woodstock chart doesn't look great guys uh if, if you're if you're looking for for an entry or a line it's pretty obvious the, the these double bottoms right here. I don't know if it's helpful when I call these out because they seem so clear to me. But but I've also been doing this for a number of years. Uh, so 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 let me know if it's helpful to call these out. But you got two bottoms here, right? Stock bounces off of those, stays higher. It looks like it did and is is now coming back down. Um, you know, not not the setup that I want to see. You know, if you want to hit it long, maybe wait wait till it gets down there again and take a crack at it. Uh, but, but not knowing anything fundamentally about the company, just looking at the chart, I'd want to see some more momentum in this thing bef before I were to hit it. Um, I, I, Kathy Wood has, her trades really haven't been making waves anymore, right? That the Kathy trade is, is up is, is what I'll say. Um, you know, so, so that's where I'm at with that one. I'll throw this one out to the chat, out to Zinger Nation. If you're there with us, you're, you're hanging out, you're spending your Thursday with us on the short week. You are a member of Zinger Nation. Throw the one in the chat if you like the stack. This stock. If you do not like the stock, throw the two in the chat. Um, so, so, so there's that one. Uh, next one, uh, producer AB. All right, you're taking the screen share over so I can get my palantir ready. <laughs> uh, well, now we just have to go with whatever I already had pulled up. So we're not doing Boeing. Nobody wants Boeing. Fine, do Boeing. All right. I like the stock. All right, I'm done with Boeing. Go ahead. All right, wait, no, no. There's more to talk about with Boeing. If if, <laughs> if you're gonna pick the stock to talk about, we have to actually talk about. Okay, it, that right? was just what was this already. This is non-bullshit hour. Th th this is no pre-market prep Spencer Israel bullshit. You know, time. Yeah, here, we okay? do deep DD here, if, like Rod Osman. If, if you if you want to bring up Boeing as a stock to talk about, let's talk about it. There there's some I, what I think the most positive news to to come to Boeing happened with within these these past. Uh, uh, couple couple days right three days maybe this week at some point we got some some really positive things about boeing here here, here was my concern with, with the stock right you had all these airlines cancel flights shut down flights they still have limited service right it's picking up obviously we, let's make sure we look at the tsa numbers next week but 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 service is picking up it was lower my fear was hey if these planes have been hanging out in reserves for a while they haven't been getting as much wear and tear it's going to slow down uh, plane orders, right? So, so, so the airlines they get back up and running first, and then at some point after that, they'll start ordering new planes again. That's what my biggest fear with the company was. They got at least two material orders, two big orders this week. Scroll down in your Benzinger Pro for us, producer AB. Um. Uh. All right. Keep going. Yeah. Phil, so, so hit hit BZ Wire. Oh yeah, I'm on. I'm on only options. You just activity. have news. Um. Okay, so so Boeing uh, gets okay. So look at that, two two oh seven a.m. yesterday. They they got uh, some planes ordered from Alaska Air, and then what was the other one? Look look South, the date. Southwest. Oh, here we go. There it um, is. There there's Southwest, right? So 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 you got two airlines ordering planes, right? You see two do it. Maybe it's an indication that I think it's more of an indication than not that that others will will follow suit. Um, I'm still not in the stock. Uh, I'm not going to get into the stock, but if you're looking for a reason to get in, you could potentially have have some some decent news flow coming into Boeing, driving some energy into the stock. So 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 that's what the deal is there. 
Yeah, and I agree. So I'm a little worried in the short term, especially with some of these European countries kind of going back under lockdown. Obviously, that will slow down some kind of international travel between here and Europe. But one thing I do like about this stock and like looking at at the different charts is, okay, so look at right here. I've got the five-year. I'll go to the two-year. Pre-COVID last year, before the market crash from COVID in February, it was trading about $340. Right now, it's at $250. If you look at some of these other companies in the same industry so for example southwest southwest has already climbed up back above its pre-covid price same with and and, and i think the issue that people have is the same problem that i have which is hey these these airlines have not been using planes so why are they going to buy any new ones um but but the two orders this week especially that tight of a time and as they're bringing bringing flights back online that's the most bullish thing that i think has happened to the stock in quite a while Right. And I'm looking at, so I'm looking at American, it looks like American Airlines hasn't quite gotten up to its pre-COVID levels, but the bottom line is what I'm seeing is that Boeing more so than some of these other companies in the, you know, air airline industry hasn't even come close to its pre-COVID levels. So as long as we keep getting good news that, that companies are buying Boeing's planes, we don't see any plane crashes, anything like that. I expect that the price, the share price of Boeing to keep climbing back up to its pre-COVID kind of levels. All right, ne- next one, uh, producer AB. Let's do. All right, you want to have some fun? Fun on a Friday? Yeah. Show me the money. EBS, ticker EBS, Echo Bravo Sandy. EBS. Um, let, 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 let's take a look at this one. All, All right. right. So, so ready, ready for me to quiz you? This let's is sort of it. fun with you doing the screen share. I'm just, you know. I, I, I have like like less uh, less agency into what we do and, and I can just sort of sit back and watch. All right, EBS, why is the stock down 14% today? Um, let's see. So I, I don't know anything about this All stock. Right. Really. Nope. I saw wait, wait. This let me get some of this bio solutions. This is this is no get technical with Neil where, where we take 20 minutes to talk about anything. All right, we fly. Okay, stock down 14% today, uh, after they effed up the vaccines. F right. up the vaccines. That's a big I, deal. I don't know if there could be a more hated company in <laughs> America today than, than uh, ticker EBS, Emergent Biosolutions. They are the producer of the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. You saw Johnson & Johnson come out yesterday and say that, that they're halting shipments of future vaccines after there was a mix-up at a ticker EBS production facility. Yeah, let me read this. Let me read this Benzinger update real quick. Emergent Biosolutions shares are trading lower after Johnson and Johnson said COVID nineteen vaccine doses were spoiled at an emergent site in Baltimore. So Johnson and Johnson does all this work to make this great vaccine, whatever, and they give them to this company to EMS, and they just spoil the they spoil the actual vaccines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Right. Spoiled it. Um. So so I'm not really a buy the dipper. I'm sometimes a buy the dipper. Um. But but I view this item as, as, as pretty one time. You got the stock down 14% today. Um, you know, it, it's it's and zo- zoom out your I'm taking the screen share back. This is too difficult. All right, wait, hold on. What do you where are we gonna go? Year oh, day? Too late. It's go already to, off. Check this five, out. Five years. All right. Look, look, look at the line here on this stock, ticker, ticker EBS. Um you, you've got the stock at, at, at basically 70 or $80 on the dot right now. L- look at this cluster of lows that we have, right? One, two, three, maybe these ones, four or five. You can sort of throw them in there as well. Stock is sitting right at the lows be, be, because this news is, is, I think, a one-time thing. I think that, that they'll get over it. Um, 
you know, I sort of like this as, as a buy the dip opportunity. Um, I'm I'm actively looking to unwind my portfolio. We, we just checked yesterday, right? I'm, I'm still more than 100% long and on margin. Amazing on a day like today, right? Where we got a really nice and healthy P&L in the live portfolio today. Um, but but overall, I, I, I do want to unload and unwind a little bit. So, so I don't think I'm going to take a crack at this one. I might. I'm I'm watching it. It's, it's stock still sitting at, at the lows of the day. Um, you do have some weekend risk if you want to hold it into three days, right? Uh, they, 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 they may have issues, um, with, with, uh, the God, there could be some more bad news flow coming out over this weekend. All right. I'm not going to hit this one long right now, I am going to throw it down on, on the list. If, if this stock makes it through the weekend without another wave of bad news, I'm going to look to enter this one on the show live on Monday. Um, but, but, but I mean, okay. Assuming this company gets revenue from getting contracts from companies like Johnson and Johnson. Why, if you're a company like Johnson and Johnson, would you go give this company a contract right after they just screwed up the, the COVID? Well, you know how many vaccines they need, not just in the U S and in the world. Oh, that's all. They're not going to shift their supply chain. Okay. We've got like, 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 like global peace deals that are reliant on us sending other countries vaccines, right? They're not going to take like, they're not, no way to, 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 to they like let that get effed up. And that's why I view this as, as more of a one-time thing than anything. Again, you got the stock sitting at those those that previous support, one-time news. I think that, that, that there could be some action out of this one. If they make it through the weekend again without more headline risk, without more bad news, I think the stock is interesting. And then again, I've got the five-year pulled up here so we can really take a look back back here in, in, tw- in 2016 whatnot. Let me go back up to the two-year. But yeah, I mean – and just in general, that's one of the reasons I've, I've been more bullish on, on kind of at least the U.S. economy over the, the next year or so is we've been blowing blowing the numbers out of the water with the COVID vaccines. I don't know if you saw, but West Virginia, the state of West Virginia was getting a higher vaccination rate than the country of Sweden. West Virginia. <laughs> All right. All right. Next up, Palantir, PLTR. I'm getting some hate in the chat for calling out Mr. Neil Hamilton. You guys don't know that actually, Neil, in, in real life, Neil's actually one of my best friends in the whole world. Yep, it's true. Uh, so is Spencer Israel, actually. But but beyond that, all right, let's go, let's start let's start with the chart. Let's let's look at, at <laughs> Spencer Israel disagrees with me. I'm not on his list. That's fine. He has a special place in my heart. Um, he he heard that. Oh, look at that! I got a Spencer Israel high five. That's how I feel. Okay, I invite him over to my house every weekend. Wait, like- is he in your top five on MySpace? I don't know. I get this, and then we're going to talk about Palantir. I've invited Spencer Israel over to my house like 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 every weekend for for the past two years. He's never come over. But anyways, um, let's look at Palantir. Um, Palantir Technologies ticker PLTR Papa Lima Tango Romeo. We are synthetically long this stock, and when I say that we are synthetically long this stock, what I mean is that we went ahead and we sold puts against this thing. We sold the the April sixteenth, right? So so that's the date. We we sold the April sixteenth twenty. $22 strike uh, uh, puts for, for 92 cents a share. So, so basically that means that, that our break even on the stock is, is hanging out right, right around $21 a share. Um, you know, if we, if we look at what the P and L is, we, we still had the puts on there. It's basically unchanged, right? Uh, up 14%. We sold the puts. So we want the price to go down uh, up 14%. Again, I I'd use this put selling to get better entries or to collect premium on stocks that I'm okay holding for the long term, obviously some strength out of Palantir yesterday. Um, it, it, it's, it's given that up today. 
uh, not not a good sign at, at all in my view. So 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 if if we're look, looking about thinking about this company technically, um, you know, there, there's I, I think that it has almost nothing going for it. Right, you had a ton of momentum yesterday. We've seen a lot of stocks that that picked up, got into favor, especially a lot of these these previous high flyers picked up favor yesterday. Continued it today. Um, you know that 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 has not happened for for this stock. Um, you know, positive catalysts coming out. I don't imagine that we're going to get much until the next earnings report. It used to be a company where they would just announce contracts that every company gets contracts, right? At Benzinga, we've gotten three contracts back this week. So as they used to, to, to announce contracts um, and, it, and it would move the stock back when it was, it was, was more closely watched. Contracts do not do that anymore. So, so we're really, I don't, wouldn't expect to get significant news out of this company until, until earnings. Um, you know, so so look at that date, four thirty. If if I were not, I'll I'll give my my opinion on on the open trade that I have right now. If if I were not hosting this show, I would go ahead and close this Palantir put selling trade for for my you know my measly fourteen percent profit. You know, which again for for a YOLO option trade on a stock as volatile like this, it's not much, right? It's not like we're buying shares of a General Electric or something. I, I would actually close this trade. The only reason that I'm not is because as a group. We, we sold these puts together two weeks ago and we said we're going to track it every single day to sort of track through and understand put selling a little bit more and, and use it as a demo. Uh, and because of, there's not really a, a lot of money on the line, there's only a couple of contracts here. I'm, I'm going to leave it open so, so we can continue to see how the price of the puts change uh, as we get closer to expiration, as the stock price fluctuates, et cetera. Um, but, but if it were me, I, I would be, you know, if, if I were, were not doing this, I, I'd be bombing out of the, the put trade right now. Um, AB, I don't, I don't know if you have any other opinion on, on this one. On Palantir, I kind of, even when it was like getting a lot of hype months ago and stuff, even when I was like, yeah, I could buy the stock and make some money on it. I didn't really like, I guess, like the company's business model or what they actually do. I felt kind of like dirty if I was investing in them, which is fine. I'm not like, you know, some moral invest, you know, whatever, but I just didn't really like, I guess pe people were calling it the, you know, a, a a public Skynet, like from Terminator, like you can invest in Skynet, like stuff like that. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be on the, you know, the one investing in this, but um, Luke, Luke, I'm yeah, curious. I don't have those moral objections. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I, I don't really either, but I just, that was something that came up when I was looking okay. into the stock in the first place. Also, holy crap. Wait, producer Rohan, we need you it, to focus. Is it storming out there or something? No, producer Rohan, can you please focus? He's talking to Spencer Israel like like they're you know never mind like they're um, working or something. Can you, zoom in, can you make the camera focus on the outside? Since it, we started this show, it is a blizzard in Detroit right now. Yeah, it looks dark out there. I, looks I like thought that we were through this. You know, you know how I feel about that. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> um, but I, I'm I'm oh he's gone. He's gone. All right, thank you, producer Ron. I don't know if you guys can tell and you guys can can see that, um, but but crazy. I thought we were through the snow. It was seventy degrees this weekend. I wore a t-shirt. Well, I was gonna say I'm curious, just in general, on some of the on some of these baskets of of Kathy stocks that have been getting hammered, like Palantir and NDM. Do you think these those companies just got a little overbought on the way up, or do you think they are, you know? going toward a price that they should be going toward more lower not that they were just overbought if that makes sense wait one more time 
So at some of these Kathy stocks, I've, I've just been watching how they've been getting hammered. And like in general, like a lot of growth stocks have been getting hammered. But do you think they're going down to kind of where they should be valued out stock wise? Or do you think they're just dropping because they got overbought on the way up? I mean, I, I I think it's I'll throw out a third scenario, right? It's like when they say to Spider Man, "Hey, save your girlfriend or the bus of kids." He throws out a third scenario. Um, so I'm gonna throw out a third scenario, which is just I think it's some some general sector rotation. You, you know what I mean, right? Like 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 let's let's look at. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you two things. I know we have guests waiting, so so we'll get through this quick. All right. So so here's a chart of spy SPY daily candles one year all time highs. We're running up the spy, okay. Now let's go look at IWM. This is small caps, right? Still a decent bit off of those all-time highs. Let's look at the triple Qs. The, the Nasdaq still a decent bit off off of the highs, right? Um, and so, so, so we've gotten some rotation, right? Look, look at Spacs. Any Spac you own, I guarantee you're not you're not up on it. So some people might be out there in the chat. I'm not. Um, you know, and, and they were the hottest things around. It, it's just wait. Spencer never knew that I came up to the office for a couple of days. <laughs> okay, well he did. So all right, producer AB, you've got some guests to bring on. Yes, sir. I'm gonna bring him on right now. Michael, how we doing? Wait, oh, we need, we need to play our special guest video. Oh yeah, wait, Michael. Sorry, one sec. All right, now go for it, producer AB. All right, let me ask the Michael not playing the video. <laughs> I was gonna All say, right, Michael, I did you dirty. I did you dirty there, trying to bring you on without our proper oh, yeah. Zinger Nation introduction. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for that. I appreciate it. Thanks for <laughs> running it for me. The the grand entrance. Thanks again. And then we got, uh, looks like we got Terrible Trader here. He wasn't with us last time. Right. How are we doing, today. Terrible Trader? Hey, guys. Doing well, man. I'm doing well. Happy to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. All man. right. So it's the name Terrible Trader. We got a green ass day today. Are, are, are you doing okay? I'm killing it. There we go. That's what I want to hear, baby. All right. Glad, glad to hear it. So, so, so I guess what, what, what's up? What, what's in the portfolio? Anything especially interesting uh, you're watching today, et cetera? I wanted to hear you guys talk about Palantir more because honestly, I don't get this company. I don't understand it. I never did. Uh, the fundamentals of the company are what avoided or prevented me from buying more. I actually just bought it because my community and like my Discord channel like really liked it for some reason. I don't know if they liked it for technical reasons or just like the vague idea of software as a service for I don't know things that already exist, like through Salesforce. Um, I don't know. I just don't really get the premise behind the the company or the stock or why anybody would be a buyer here. Yeah. So 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 let let let's dig into it. And and like just like you're mentioning, your Discord community loves this thing, right? A nice advantage that we have is we see all this traffic on Benzinga.com. You know, fifteen million people a month. We can see what stocks do do they love and flow to, and it's another one of those hot ass retail stocks that, that everybody's a fan of and, and, and is flowing into right now. Um, the, the, the reason that, that I think that the company is interesting is, is that they, they power so, so many d defense systems that, that we have. Right. And th these are contracts that I think don't go away. I think it creates a stable revenue base. Um, and if they're able to, to basically, you know, do, do the data analysis that, that helps us make defense decisions as, as a nation. And now they're just starting to get into some of that Fortune 500 game. They've been in it for a little bit, but, but that's where the focus of the business is. I imagine that there's a lot of money to be made there. Um, and, and so that, that's why I think that the company is interesting, not necessarily why I think the stock is interesting. The stock, um, you know, was, was so hot when there was all that interest in it. Obviously, that, that's, that's waned a little bit. So, so I don't actually love the stock right now. But, but that's why I think the company is interesting. 
It's just like I feel I view the military and the government as very conservative in the sense they they usually give contracts, especially large contracts to companies like Microsoft, which you saw yesterday, that twenty two billion dollar Microsoft deal. And that's yep. because most of the, the leaders of Microsoft are not in the news constantly. Or if they are, it's because they're being dragged in from the government, like through Congress, congressional hearings. <laughs> yeah. um, in general, I think that they don't they, want to be in the news. Yeah, exactly. They don't. They don't want them in the news. As opposed to to, to Elon Musk or someone and, some and Peter Thiel and all the other people behind, you know, a lot of these moves like Palantir. Even the the big thing about Palantir is like who's invested in it more than what it does. In fact, every time I see what it does, there's nothing that seems like Salesforce wouldn't be able to do, um, or Microsoft for that matter. Yeah. And so I'm kind of bearish on the stock or the company. I, I was, was kind of joking with Luke earlier because I was saying when I first looked into it, I was having some moral you know because i'm not it's not like i'm a big more i mean i pitched a, i pitched a freaking private prison stock on here like two <laughs> weeks ago because the fundamentals made sense the you know the, the numbers made sense but with palantir it's just like you ask 10 different investors what they do you get 10 different answers um you know like looking into it like they do location tracking services you know of, of you at you know for a company you know, like all this stuff and it's just like i don't know i think i think kind of more so than just the moral side of it, like the public perception of Palantir could be getting more and more negative as we go down this road. Like someone in the comments just says, Palantir is what Edward Snowden warned us about. Like talking about, of course, he was talking about the NSA. Like all the data mining and that sort of All the thing. data mining. That's what they do is they, is they mine data and sell it to either the government or private companies. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's not really something that I love, but the stock could keep going up. Who knows? But we talk about like sector rotation and people rotating into different stocks. I think the the rotation that's occurred in the market is from shitty stocks to good stocks. I totally like, agree. It's nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with like you know. I mean, look, look at Nvidia today. Nvidia is doing just fine. Yep. Um, so oh, no. Don't tell me. Did I miss my my chance to buy Nvidia at like four ninety? it's gonna be at 800 in like a year and we're all gonna look at it and be like what, what were we doing not buying nvidia at yeah i i bought nvidia at like 456 uh in the middle of this correction and i put a pretty large portion of the portfolio to work in nvidia but uh i agree with you like there's gonna be future corrections for sure where you're gonna have chances to buy whatever you want but in terms of nvidia um, yeah, it might just continue to rip to the point where you might never get that 490 entry considering, you know, if the market keeps going. So yeah. feels bad, I guess. What, what happened? And, and I, I love that comment about the, the rotation from, from like shitty stocks and into good stocks. Right. But it's like, like I myself, right. I, I share my portfolio on, on this show every single day and like on when, whenever this volatility first started a couple of weeks ago, right. Like I, I was getting cracked. And I'm just scrolling through. I'm like, why the hell do I own this? Like, this is like a base. It's not a fake company, but I'm like, this is basically a fake company. Like, why do I own this this dog shit? <laughs> the reason why is because it's been so hot um, for for so long, right? And riding it as a swing momentum trade, um, you know. And it's it's like, yeah, let, let's get out of these these so, some of these YOLO names and concentrate more into to some of the more fundamental names like a Ford, uh, you know, that, that I'm a big bull on. But I will say this is that don't don't abandon the YOLO names just yet. You know, there, there's going to be a new generation of YOLO names. There's always more NFT supply. stocks. What's that? NFT stocks. There you go. Why not? That, those are going to be the new runners. I mean, look, it's it's always a good environment to be a retail trader when there's other retail traders in your environment. And I feel like right now there's never been more dumb money. I hate to say it. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of this money is my money. You know, like I'm I am with the people that are trading some of these stocks. 
But, you know, all things considered, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad idea to continue to invest in growth stocks. Um, I think everyone's just going to be a winner and you're going to see these occasional waves of cleansing come through to get rid of some of the names that are getting a little bit stale when all they had to go off of was just their name. Sure. You know, like Palantir is, is probably the best example, but there's others. Um, Absolutely. I don't know. It's just that's that to me is the big topic right now over the last month. Is just so, giant well, hold on. I think there's a massive difference between a meme stock and a growth stock. So when we consider what some meme stocks are, there's a couple of like very early stage like gaming plays and sports betting plays, things outside of DraftKings and like AAA developers, things like stocks like Gamble, stocks like S uh, SLGG, stocks like GME, for example. Th there's a lot of meme in that. Uh, but then stocks like Palantir, stocks like Corsair, uh, for a long time it was Tesla. It's it's more so of a growth play than a meme play, and I feel like a lot of the retail investors nowadays kind of put those into one basket, and that might not necessarily be the healthiest thing to do as a trader. Okay, and I I want to go off of something that you just mentioned a minute ago, right? With, with there's there's never been more retail traders in the market. Do, do you think it's here to stay? That's a question at Benzinga that that we're talking about every single day. So I'm curious where you guys are at, and I'll share where I'm at. More, more than here to stay, I think it's actually going to grow. And I think it's going to grow in a way that nobody anticipated. I think the new savings account is your Robinhood account. I think the new savings account is your Webull account. It's, you're, you know, long, I mean, it, my generation spends money like it's running out of style because we've never been encouraged to save it. And if you can stash money away that you're not using in a productive way or in a way that like, you know, titillates that little gambling side of your brain, whatever it is, um, I think that's the future. And the more retail gets involved, the more our generation becomes the higher earners. Um, I think you're going to see retail trading grow and grow and grow. Um, and I don't think it's fit. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're seeing the first wave of this gigantic influx. And I'm sure you guys are seeing it through your numbers. But you look at people like Tasty Trades as an example, and they've seen record account openings. Um, and I just I don't think it's not not only do I think it's not going anywhere. I think it's going to grow. Yep. You so, see a Tasty Trade deal that 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 uh, acquisition. I did. Who bought them again? IG Group, which is a forex brokerage globally, not a, a ton of U.S. presence, but a decent bit. Uh, you know, but I mean, they, they bought the company for a reason. Yep. That's so wait. We're talking about Tasty Trade, the one that Tom Sosnoff owns. Yeah. Same guy that coded Thinkorswim. Dude, that yeah, guy must be that guy must be so rich. Like Jesus. Round <laughs> two. So, so Thinkorswim for six hundred million turns around, does the exact same thing, sells it for a billion. Through, what, yeah, four years what later, just do, it, do it again. I watched Ironman Benzinga to do it again. Yeah, yeah, like serial entrepreneurs. That's a thing. Uh, look, me, me and Hopped are really good friends, and we agree on most things. But this retail conversation is something we've always been in somewhat disagreement, and I think maybe the the truth might lie in the middle. But um, we know historically the access to the market has always improved. So commissions have always gone down, you know, uh, way before the 2000s. The, the accessibility of how many stocks you can buy, how quickly you can buy them, that it's always been more accessible to the retail investor. And Robinhood is a great example of like where things might quote unquote end. Like now, now accessibility is on your phone at the click of a button with zero commissions. Uh, and so the question is, how how much more accessible? I mean, how much more accessible can the market get than that? Um, with that being said, in terms of the retail participation, over time, when retail blows up, they leave, and the market historically goes in a cycle where people are excited about it, they believe in it, they think it's it's real, it's possible to to make money trading, 
and then you have corrections and people start to get that negative uh, bias towards it. I say this from experience because my dad uh, has been a financial advisor his whole life. And so finance has been uh, like near me my whole life. And I remember growing up, you know, post the, the Great Recession and, and getting that like negative sentiment towards stocks and the market. And people saw it a lot more as a gamble. Now people look at stocks as some sort of like entrepreneurship endeavor. Um, this cycle where people like and hate the market is, is, I think, cyclical. And I'm not big on cycles in the first place, but this one is one I, I, I do believe in. Um, and I think it will just continue to happen again. I mean, you saw it. We, we just had a 10% correction uh, in a couple of indices. That is light work compared to what the market can really do to people. And you see the viewership go down on streams. You see the engagement go down on Wall Street bets. There's still participation. It wasn't a large correction, but imagine what would happen if the Fed takes their foot off the gas and starts offloading their balance sheet, or maybe they start raising interest rates, or they start experimenting after they reach maximum unemployment where they can take the market lower and kind of get some more rational prices going. What that will do to, to retail, because we know retail is positioned, and they always have been in highly levered names, like high growth stocks. So for me, when I look at this, I think to myself, you know, retail is, is big, but when we do get corrections, they're going to get hurt the most because they're going to be the most poorly positioned. They're going to have the, the poorest, you know, um, like like exits. They're not going to have an exit plan. They're going to be over levered, things like that. So that's something me and Hopf like kind of disagree on because I don't think anything is different now compared to, you know, people moving to Wall Street in, in, in the tech bubble to become day traders yeah. um, or the shoe shiners back in the, the recession telling the people on Wall Street their stock picks. Um, yeah, that's my well, take think, on that. I think that point you made about as far as like retail traders being not well positioned, we, we saw in real time because a few weeks ago when the market first got a little choppy, people on Twitter and whatnot were talking about a market crash and all this. And it's like you look at SPY and SPY might have yep. gone down one and a half percent one day. And all of a sudden people are talking about a market crash. And it's like yep. you look at SPY as, as a, you know, a long view of SPY. And it's like there's no market credit. You barely could even call that a correction, let alone a crash. But because everyone was so le leveraged in those, it was the like, yellow long, stocks got hit, right? Yeah, it was the yellow stocks got hit. Like, yeah, it got hit like fifty percent, and then spy was fine. Um, but I'm but check this out. Let, let me introduce some 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 what I think is is super interesting data into the conversation. All right. So 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 what, what we're looking at right now on the screen is the number of visitors to Benzinga.com from 2019 through today. Right. So, so, so basically, you know, two, two years of data. Okay. Doting along, right. We're getting one and a half million, you know, close to 2 million people visiting Benzinga.com. Boom. COVID happens, right. That number goes from 2 million to 5 million like that in a month, right. Explosion of interest. I'm, I'm going to zoom this out and show you guys what happened when GameStop took place. Right. It, 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 that COVID bump is, is like almost, it's not non-material, but it's almost non-material, right. All, all of a sudden it, it goes from, you know, 5 million to 13 million. A, a month visitors and 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 here's what surprised me right but it was february you had J the ass on to january and then february was the main month where, where gamestop was going crazy right uh i i expected march to be back down to like okay it's just sort of where where this this you know new covid normalcy level is at but 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 the fact that that we had gamestop happen where i mean literally it's the number one story on cnn um for for a week and, and, and the, the, the amount of readership, which, which I use as a proxy of interest, stayed as, as high as it was in March as, as, as February is, is I think the, the it's the most bullish thing that I've seen to, OK, you know, the, these people haven't gotten totally shaken out. 
or, yep. or just lost interest, just, you know, naturally lost interest. But but my point is less a matter of like whether or not they win or lose on the individual stocks that they pick than the idea that they're going to help shape what the market looks like in the future. And just by definition of how many people, the sheer number and volume of people, it's really cool that you showed that. That like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't show that. And I, I respect you for doing that. Actually, people get really weird about their data. But that exemplifies exactly what I'm talking about. Whether it's because of institutional money that wants to take advantage of those people or those people themselves moving the market, those people are going to move the market one way or the other. Retail is here to stay and it is going to move money. And, it, you know, whichever side of the trade you happen to be on, I do think it matters, but, but less so than the fact that there's going to be appeals made to these people and stocks and CEOs and, you know, companies are going to start trying to attract these dollars. Why wouldn't they, you know? Right. And I think, I mean, I think the choppiness of the market over the last month or month and a half might have helped flush some, I guess, newer traders out. But, um, you know, I know terrible traders that he doesn't really like talking about the cyclical or the cycles or the cyclical nature. But I think if we see this, uh, you know, what a lot of people are, a lot of economists are calling for as far as like a, a period of six months or a year of extended growth, um, the market growing, doing well then I think, you know, over that time, as opposed to the volatility that we've seen throughout the COVID, you know, just a slow up march in the market, if it's climbing, then I think we'll see that slow growth of retail traders come in, fluxing back into the market. And this time, maybe it'll be a little bit more stable, something where, where you know, if people are just like, in my mind, if people are just throwing 100 bucks on the first every month into the S&P or something like that, like something like that, you're not on Robinhood every day trying to trade stocks, whatever, and the market's going up, then who wouldn't want to be in the market? Why wouldn't people want to come in and stay? Yeah. Uh, and, and I know we are all <laughs> in the content creation game, so it's hard for us to understand exactly like, you know, what, what the dollar correlation is to all this attention. Um, but just because people stop paying attention to the market in their everyday lives, which, which is inevitable anytime there's a huge influx of attention, um, doesn't mean that they're not going to continue to put their money to market, you know, like it, it, investing and getting rewarded for investing is in and of itself kind of addictive. Um, and I think that a lot of people are going to stay around, even if they don't engage with, you know, websites or or open more accounts necessarily. So let me uh, let me add to my my argument about how this is not necessarily any different or a revolution. I I agree with you, Hopped, and everybody else. There's definitely an influx of retail traders. That's undeniable. But in terms of people's interest in the market, like the general people, uh, that's all again always been around. There was a book I read called The Psychology of Trading that was written like I want to say late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, and in that book, they discussed how there's like a, a saying that baseball is America's favorite pastime. But statistically, more people are involved in the market than people that are baseball fans. So this book was arguing that actually the stock market is America's favorite pastime. <laughs> and so when when we think about how the world has changed with, so, with social media and the Internet, maybe maybe what has happened is our perception of how many people are involved in the market um, is not, not necessarily skewed, but we can see the fact that there's all this participation as opposed to in the past, like in the 90s and before that, everyone was involved in the market, but you only knew about your friends that liked the market. You only knew about like the people that, that you personally knew. Now we have platforms where we can actually see random people, you know, posting loss porn or vice versa, gain porn on, on Wall Street bets. Um, my argument is that there's no revolution. It's just simply an influx. And these influxes happen all the time. And yeah. Awesome. And what, what about stocks? Any stocks we should talk about? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Corsica or excuse me, Coursera, the IPO from yesterday. That thing is absolutely taken off. Can and we, uh, 
C-O-U-R. C-O-U-R. All right, there it is. I'll drop it in the chat too, guys. I mean, this one, it's different than Chegg in the sense that it actually offers courses. And it's different than, there's another website out there that does coursework as well. It's different than most ones because it actually partners with major universities and state universities and international universities to offer these courses. So this one is, and it didn't, it didn't, what I really respect it for is that it didn't price itself out for the IPO. The market cap is still reasonable. Um, is that valuation is fine. Your yeah, that's what I think. Look good, etc. Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's an interesting one, um, and and we we actually use this one at Benzinga, in in that part part of our business, right? We we get like affiliate commissions when when we drive when when our users, right, who are on Benzinga.com, go over and, and purchase things, whether it's you're opening a Robinhood account or whatever it may be. Um, and one of the things that we push users over to is, hey, here our editors went through here are a few stock market courses that we think are really good. Um, you know, and, and then Coursera pays, pays us when the user comes from us and, and goes and buys that. So oh, it's awesome. an interesting business. I love these ones that, that I, I know intimately. I've talked to them. I've structured deals with them, et cetera. Um, I didn't even know it was going public. It's bad on my part, but, but I got to look into this one. Um, and then there's another one, INVU. Um, let me see if I can find this on my list here. This one, invest this one. Yeah, this one's OTC, but it's really interesting. I mean, it's it, this is more of like a technical play, in my opinion. My dad uh, charted this and put brought it to my attention at about seventeen cents. Okay, what? What? Uh, should I go to Daily Candles? Whoa! Holy yeah. crap! Wow! Yeah. All right, look at that, guys. And yeah, that's, that's a, a move. move. <laughs> that's a move. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Got my attention there. Um. So okay. So so I mean, is 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 the jig up, or or are you at with it? Um, probably. Yeah, unfortunately, but these are the types of moves that we look for. So when we see the 50 and the 20 day MA like move over for a penny stock like this and the volume looks right, like we stayed with it after Monday and we ended up selling, I think around 46 cents. Okay. Um, so we didn't hit the top exactly, but that's you almost top ticked it. That's pretty damn close. It, it was moving very slowly though. So like we definitely could have held on and then it, it, it catapulted up to 52 and then dropped back down to 42, uh, okay, which is yeah. kind of where it's at today. This is a two-day so. chart, yes. That was definitely a nice, a nice grinder. Um, okay, and, um, and let me ask you this: how, how do you find a stock like that? Right there, there's a ton of penny stocks. You, you, you said you mentioned that the twenty and the fifty days look good to you, but but how do you find them in the first place? Um, my dad runs a bunch of screeners. I like screeners that play off of um, volume and liquidity. So it's really important to me that the float's not too big, um, and it's really important to me that the volume is increasing. Okay. And besides that, I'm not looking at anything. Uh, over $25 to do like a, a scalp or a day trade on. Um, yeah. In general, that's kind of my, everyone has their own like, you know, parameters. Those are my parameters. Uh, high liquidity, uh, low float, high volume. That's the kind of stuff I like. Awesome. I like it. And you're about to give us another one, I think. Can I cut you off? Um, I think those are the two that I was looking for. Ed likes Fiverr. I know Ed loves F-I-V-E-R-R. Fiverr is a little bit more degenerate, um, so I don't really, I don't want to plug Fiverr. Honestly, if I'm gonna plug something of, you know, you can say yellow people, stock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll I'll plug Activision Electronic Arts or Take Two. I I have high conviction that if you buy that basket of three stocks over the next ten to fifteen years, and you average cost basis, gaming, it, gave, for me, gaming is to the moon. And it's very obvious. Wait, I loved. Uh, I think Moses last time he was on had a good like value 
fundamental Probably pitch for take two. Take two. Yeah. yeah. He well, he started looking into it after I I, I pitched him take two. Oh, so that, it was your it was your pitch. Right? Yeah. Okay. Take take two. Because when I started trading, um, before I lost money for four years, like being an, <laughs> an idiot on in the options market, I I started looking at companies that I knew, and Take Two was one of them, and so was Nvidia. And Nvidia at the time was twenty five dollars. And take two at the time was also $25. And so I reached a point in my life where I, I kind of like realized, I'm like, wait a second, I've lost thousands of dollars on weekly spy options while watching companies that I know and understand and use go up tenfold. What am I doing? I was, I was like, I had like a, a moment of like realization when I realized like, what am I actually doing? My goal isn't to get rich tomorrow. My goal is to make money, period, and be comfortable in the future. So take two is a company that... Um, it's just going higher. And so is Activision. So is EA. And maybe one of them goes bankrupt. That could happen. Maybe one of them goes under. But one of those three companies will make so much money in the future and have such, such large influence on the amount of time we spend yeah, playing in their games. You know? Yeah, for sure, man. It's a bullish and, game. And I, I, lo I love what you're saying, too, right? The, the four years of, of losing money. Like, like something, something that I say, and I love to say and love to get hated on for saying, is if you have not blown up an account yet, or, or suffered losses, you will. You will, for tuned. sure. For it, sure. I, I blew up three is what it took me. I know some people are quicker, some people are slower. It took me three that I blew up, and I've now got a, a good seven years or so that, that, that I haven't blown it, one up. Nice. No, that's, that's awesome. I hope to get there one day myself. Good for you. All right, guys. <laughs> how, how do people stay in touch? Uh, you guys can find us on Twitch. We're on The Next Trade. We go live every uh, uh, Monday, excuse me, every Wednesday and Sunday night. Um, and then uh, you can find us on Ruby Capital on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Ruby Cap, where we have our pre-market show every weekday, Monday through Friday, 830 till nine at least. Perfect. All right. And Bruce, maybe will you drop those links in the chat for everyone? Thank yes, you very sir. much. Appreciate it. Awesome, guys. Thanks for coming and hanging out today. No, yep. Thanks for having us on, man. Good chats, everybody. We'll Thank see you all guys. on Monday, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. sir. Yeah. Ruby Cap We're Monday. Boom. Yes, sir. All right. We'll be talking over the weekend about that, getting all details linked up for that. Sounds, Sounds good. good, man. Thanks again. Right. Y'all enjoy, enjoy the long weekend. You yeah, do as well. You as well. Take it easy. All right, P producer AB. Two things before we go. Got to move along. I'm going to share my screen again. Grimble. Let's go. We hit this one earlier in the week. We, we bought the stock live on the show heading into the breakout. It was the only trade that we made this week, the only new position that I put on. So I was resting right up against here. It is, in fact, breaking out. If you're in this one with me, I'm letting it ride through the weekend. Uh, you know, when, when a chart looks like this, it's at the high of the day right now. I'm going to let it ride. And then, of course, let's let's. I got to do my Voyager check. VYGVF. Keeps going, baby. On all time high on Voyager, I'll take that. And the very last thing of the day of the week, maybe we should do do a show tomorrow, producer AB. Even though the market's closed, chat challenge uh, every week. Zinger Nation, head to head to head to head, trying to figure out who is the best stock picker in the chat. Guys, you drop in your guesses. The winner this week was getting a Benzinga Pro. Spencer Israel's looking at me. He's pissed. No more Benzinga Pro giveaways. He says. <laughs> Well, shout out to Keith in the chat. You picked the best stock of the week, MMEDF. I believe that is MindMed. Um, overall, not a bad basket that everybody picked. We definitely got some dogs in here, right? Uh, anybody who picked Genius Brands got what's the actual? What's the actual cutoff for a small cap stock? Uh, uh, the, the, the technical definition is $2 billion and below. Okay. We, we said $5 billion is, is what oh, I said okay. we did a lot. I said we allow $5 billion and below when, when we set this up, right? We expand the pool a little bit. Keith, there he is representing the chat. 
powerhour at Benzinga.com. Drop us a line. If you're not Keith and you want to drop us a line, do that too. Uh, but without further ado, producer AB, I think it's time to turn it over to Miss Catherine Ross. Let's do it. All right. 